Amen. Well, we are now in the Judges, and we're studying the 12th judge of the nation of Israel. We've gone from the beginning studying Othniel and Shamgar and Ehud and Eglon, and Eglon's not a judge, and Barak and, and Deborah and all these judges and Jair and Tola and all these judges that have came and gone and God used them in various ways. And there was Jephthah and all of the people that God used. And now we find ourselves studying the life of Samson. And here's what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. We're going to learn a ton from Sans Samson on what not to do. And you guys know that Judges is a learning book. As a matter of fact, we titled this months ago, Stories of Failures and Forgiveness. That the whole book of Judges is just one story after another of, oh my gosh, another failure, and then God's redemptive forgiveness. And this is the children of Israel in their season of life in the promised land. Joshua has ushered them in. They're there now. And it's an illustrative book where they don't have a real king over them. It's all picturesque of having Jesus over us. They're just trying to figure it out. The book culminates with one of the most famous sentences in all the Bible that in those days there was no king. And so everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Okay, it's called 2023 America, okay? Everyone doing whatever they want. I feel this way, might as well go for it. I think I like that, I'm gonna go for it. I wanna do, no, don't do that. And that's the story of judges and it's the story of your life and my life. If we don't have a king, if we don't have a guide, if we don't have a God, we're gonna do whatever we want and it's not gonna go well for us. Now, here's the deal. God is always good all the time and all the time God is good. And then even in our failures and our weaknesses and follies, God redeems us. God has a plan for us. We're going to see that and glean, glean and gain great hope from that today. And in Samson's life, man, we're just going to see one failure after another. He has a couple good moments right before he dies. How about that for a life story? Like, well, my life kind of sucked the whole time. And then right before I died, I did something good. What? That's not the goal for any of us in here, is it? We don't want any of that. Now, he did make it into the hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 lists 16 individuals by name that were slayers, that knocked it out of the park, that were no worthy. Only 16 out of the whole Old Testament, Samson makes the books. What? But it was at a great cost. It was at great sacrifice personally because of his failure, because of his folly, because of his weaknesses that he never overcame. And I believe God wants all of us to lean into what is our life supposed to be? What does God want to do in our life? Because it would appear that God blessed Samson and the nation of Israel in spite of Samson. I'm going to say that again. It would appear that God blessed Samson, gave him the power in spite of old Sammy boy. Now, here's the crazy thing. God does this all the time. God blessed Peter in spite of Peter. Remember Peter? Peter was violent. Peter was an insurrectionist. Peter was rebellious. Peter was prideful. Peter was all these things. And what did God do? He blessed him in spite of Peter, but he had to break Peter down. He had to get Peter to the lowest point of his life where finally Peter didn't even know if he loved God or not because of his actions. And yet the Lord said, I'm going to bless you, Pete. You ain't getting away from me. And the same with Samson. As much cost, he sacrificed as silliness as he had. God said, I'm going to have more. He did the same with Paul. Remember the apostle Paul, another prideful murderer who was running against Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm going to get you, Paul. I'm going to get you. And he got Paul. And I just want to be able to look at this from learning points in the negative side of Samson's life, but also in the positive side of God's great redemptive value and great purposes. Here's my question, though. What would Samson's life been like had he been more devoted, had he had more accountability, or he had a passion for purity? 
What if you guys know the story of Samson? Most of you do. He found himself. He's only got three chapters, 14, 15, and 16. And in three chapters, he's with three separate ladies. One of them is a harlot, two are Philistines, all things he shouldn't be doing. And he was a judge. Listen, he was the one in charge. And he's got this huge perennial problem and weakness. And here's my question, the blessing of God. He was the strongest man around, which by the way, I don't know what your vision of Samson is in your mind. It's probably somewhat like Hercules or Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, something like that. And he's, you know, never skips leg day, you know, and he's got his protein supplements and he's on creatine monohydrate, you know, and he's got a personal trainer and all. I don't think that's the case. I think that his great strength wasn't because he was yoked, because he was cardiovascular in shape, but because the spirit of the God of the Lord came upon him. I think actually there was nothing about him physically. When you looked at him, you wouldn't think anything of him because when he was about to be, have his head cut at Supercuts that day, when that was happening, his buddies, the friends of Delilah, asked Delilah, where's his strength lie? What's the secret of this guy? We can't figure it out. Now, had he been yoked and muscles on muscles, they would have said, well, it's because he has muscles on muscles. And I say that to say this, and I'll say it in just a few minutes too, was the spirit of the Lord was his secret sauce. It was the spirit of the Lord that gave him his great victory. It was a gift of God not of anything that he could have done. But listen, when God gives you gifts, when God gives you wisdom and insight, when God gives you special power, he doesn't do it without expecting you to then respond in tandem and then work out your salvation with fear and trembling. With much re responsibility comes great responsibility. So there's a better saying, I, I, didn't, I didn't think that one through. When God's given you this authority and this power, though, he doesn't do so so you can misuse it or abuse it. Any one of us need to have this. Here's my question I'm asking you. I'm going to ask you guys three questions. Question number one, do you have unlocked potential right now? Has the Lord given you some potential in your age, your gender, your wisdom, your experience? Maybe you know your giftings. Is there something in you right now that it's, it's locked for some reason? Question number two, and I'm going to ask these throughout the next couple of weeks because I think they're good soul-searching questions. Number two, is God blessing you by his grace in spite of you? Now, that can, that can be kind of a hard pill to swallow. And maybe you need to wrestle with that and take that to lunch and talk to the people that know you best. Is God blessing you? Yeah, he is. Could he bless you more? And it's not about getting more blessings for the sake of getting more blessings. That's not the point. The point is that God has a purpose for our lives and has an attention to the time that we live. Third question is, is does God want you to go all in for him and have less of you? Isn't that a rad question? John the baptizer, Jesus' oldest cousin or older cousin, he said that he, Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. It's not about me, it's gotta be about him. And I believe that these are timely questions for all of us. They're very personal questions that only you can answer. Now, I wanna start on a good note. I told you we would start in chapter 13, verses uh, 24 and 25. This is where we end it. So let's just read this and hopefully get into some of the most more gnarlier uh, verses. We're only going to get to verse four today, maybe even verse three. Uh, look at what it says in verse 24. It says, so the woman, that's Manoah's wife, she bore a son and called his name Sammy boy, Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. His name literally means full sunshine. Or like the sun. Man, isn't that cool? She was barren at one point and God promised her a baby and it came to pass. Oh, happy day. Look at verse 23 again. It's verse 24. It says that the child grew and the Lord blessed him. No other judge in the book of Judges does it say specifically that God actually blessed him. I don't know if this was God's favorite judge and he just blew it or what was going on or if it's an extra detail that is not given to all but is also shared by all. But did you guys know that God wants to and has blessed you? 
He loves to bless you. You guys need to know this. This is the heart of our God, the character of our God. He loves to bless his kids. He loves to bless us. And as we grow in him, this is how it all starts. This is, you need to know this right now. If the Lord's knocking on your door right now, or you're going to be any measure of conviction today, it's because the Lord wants to bless you. As a matter of fact, look at the next verse, verse 25. And the spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at that name in Dan between Zorah and Eshtael. He's now getting the spirit of the Lord. He's a young guy. We don't know how old he is, but God's blessing him. He's pouring into him. And all of a sudden, the spirit of the Lord begins to move on him. Again, I believe this was his secret sauce. Get a special anointing that the Lord gave to him. God has given to each one of us, by the way, varying gifts. You can read 1 Corinthians 12 and also Romans 12 to see the lists of the spiritual gifts that God gives to us differently. All one body, all one spirit, all one master, all a different part in the body. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And if you notice that God gifts some differently, he gives greater gifts to some people. That's just what he does, all with the same attention and purpose. I need us to just lean into that. If you have any gifts right now, any blessing at all, it's just from the Holy Spirit, amen? It's just from the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit wants you to receive that gift. Just like Jesus said, some will get 10, some will get five, and some will get one. And I want you to then go do business. Go invest it. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it loosely. Instead, double up. Take your gifts, the time, the talent, the treasure that God's afforded to you. Take it seriously. What the enemy wants for each and every one of us is to take it less serious and to compromise and to come up short and to do silly things and to get distracted. And this is why we study forces of scripture like this. Because he was given this gift of the spirit upon him. But we know Samson's story. He had the power of God with him, but he didn't have the willpower to deal with his own chinks in his armor. Remember back in chapter 13 when Manoah's wife was told by the angel of the Lord, your son is going to begin to deliver Israel. Now, let me ask you guys a question. How many guys want to be used to deliver God's people from sin and bondage? How many guys want to use to, by God to, be, to deliver people? Or you guys want to be used by God to deliver people? I want to be used by God. How many guys want to be used by God to only begin to deliver people? It's like, wait, so I'm not going to finish? No. You're going to start out awesome. It's going to be next level. And then it's going to just be sad. What? That's not good news. Now, this is God in his sovereignty. And he knows the end from the beginning. And he declares it to Samson. But if you heard this, you'd be like, what do you mean? This, that sounds like it might have some. Is this the book of Judges? Yeah, it's the book of Judges. It's rated R, man. It's not good. And it's sad. And we don't want to do this. It reminds me of a story in the book of Acts when Paul is giving his testimony. It's in, the, it's in Acts chapter 26. He's giving his testimony to some big wigs. And he's giving his testimony to Herod Agrippa. And Herod Agrippa is a Jew and he's a king. And, and Paul says to him, Herod Agrippa, you know what I'm saying. None of these things have escaped you. Don't you know these things are true? And Herod Agrippa's response is, he says, whoa, Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Almost? Can you imagine if the surgeon came out after surgery to visit the loved ones, takes his hat off, and it's like, man, that was almost good. <laughs> what? No! It's not good enough. And here, beginning is not okay. And I told you this last week, you can't change the way you actually began. You can today change the way you end. You can make adjustments, course corrections right now. As a matter of fact, check this out. All of these stories are here for us in order that we would grow and become better. Hey, Dave, can you put Romans 15.4 up on the screen? This is what it says. It says, for whatever things were written before, that's Old Testament, were written for our learning, that we through them and the patience and comfort of Scripture might have, oh, 
Whatever things were written before were written for our learning. Anybody want to learn a lesson today? Anybody want to lean in? That's why we're at church today is to learn. Whoa, if it happened to him, why wouldn't it happen to me? I need to lean in. I need to take, there's a better verse actually that says the same thing. First Corinthians 10 says it this way, verse 11. It says, now all these things happened to them as examples. That's Old Testament again. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, verse 12, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation is overtaken you except that is which is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond which you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Stop right there. Eyes up here. Wow. These stories are here for our learning, our admonition, for our hope, and for our instruction so that we, we don't have to go down these silly roads. We can see what God has done through men and women. Say, I want to do that. And we can see what God has done when men and women don't cooperate and participate with the Lord. And all of us are in a battle against the flesh. All of us are growing in the spirit. Those things are happening simultaneously. You know that? Your spirit's growing right now. Amen? Amen. You guys know this. Your spirit is growing because God's in charge of your spirit. And he will not relent, just like he did with Peter and Paul. He won't let you go. He will follow you into the darkness. No lie he won't tear down. No wall he won't climb over. He's going after you every single day. Every single day your spirit is being built up. But every single day, man, your flesh is acting up. There's something going on. We're all growing in one way or the other. And I'm so thankful for the spirit's relentless pursuit of me. We don't need to stay the same. I don't celebrate, just in case you guys know this, I don't celebrate who I am today. I don't. I know who I've been. And I'm glad I'm not that guy. But I know who God wants me to be. And I'm in motion. I'm in journey. Paul said it this way, actually. He said it in Philippians 3. He said, not that I've already attained, he made a confession, or I'm already perfect, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching toward those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What a resolve. From the Apostle Paul, maybe a person that has my utmost of respect next to, to no one. Paul says, I press on. I'm not there yet. R really, Paul? You're not there yet? Man, that kind of makes me feel a little better about myself. I don't think about the things of the past. I'll let them go, whether good or bad. Sometimes we get in these ditches of thinking about our past. Well, I've got this degree, and I've got that experience, and I went on this mission trip, and I'm this person. Hey, so what? It's over. It's done. Or we fall into the ditch of demise. Oh man, I keep blowing it. I did this and I, I got a divorce and all these things happened. And I, and I blew it. I went bankrupt and all these things happened in my life. Hey, give it to Jesus and move forward. Do you have a pulse? Do you have a pulse? Do you have a purpose? Move forward for the upward call of Christ Jesus. And how awesome is it that we can be blessed and filled and changed into the men and women that God wants us to be. That's how Samson's story started. He's blessed. The Spirit's moving upon him. It's all good. And then in chapter 14, we see his life. You guys buckle up, okay? Put your helmets on. Mouth guards in. Phoenix is nearby. Let's study this out. Look, we're going to read three verses. It says, now Samson went down. First four words describe his whole life. Samson went down to Timnah, and he saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. And so he went up and he told his mom and dad, his father and mother, saying, I've seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. 
Oh, and then his father and his mother said to him, Man, is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. Stop right there. Eyes up here. Wow. Just a rough start right off the go. Immediately, Samson goes down to Timnah, there along the Gaza Strip, which was inhabited by Philistines, which were anti-Jew, anti-Christian, anti-God. They were all over the place. And this is the immediate place that this Samson, he's the leader. He's the judge. He's the one in charge. And he goes down, and the rest of his life is just a series of sad decisions that go down, 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 down. As we study his life, I want us to be able to course correct and say, is there areas that I'm going down or that we're going down or that the devil wants us to go down? Because I don't want the fall, I don't want the same things that happened to him in any measure to happen to us. Here's a couple of principles. Did you know that sin doesn't respect anyone? The principles of sin don't respect anyone. The wages of sin is death. It doesn't matter if you're the judge. Doesn't matter if you're in charge. Doesn't matter if you're old. Doesn't matter if you're young. Doesn't matter if anybody knows. Doesn't matter if everybody knows. There's three principles about sin. Sin will always cost you more. Sin will always take you further. And sin will always keep you longer every single time. Have you guys figured this principle out yet? Sometimes I forget. Sometimes I wonder, well, it won't keep me that long. Well, it won't cost me that much. It won't take me that far. Not true. Anytime, every time, all the time that we compromise, it's going to catch up with us eventually. Here's the subtlety and sneakiness of sin, though. Usually it doesn't slap you with a fine or with some sort of consequences after the first step. Usually you have to take a few, three or four, five or six, until you find yourself, whoa, wasn't that bad, this little compromise here, financially or relationally or emotionally or sexually, all these areas where we're tempted. It's not that bad. Felt kind of weird. I got over it. I kept going until finally you get the receipt in the mail, you get the bill, and you realize that you've gone places you said you would never go. It always catches up with us. Interesting. Verse 1 again. Now Samson went down to Timnah, and he saw a woman in the of the daughters of the Philistines. Notice his first words out of his mouth. Look at verse 2. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman. Stop right there, eyes up here the heck you imagine your first quote out of the scriptures like what was the first word you said i saw a woman wow <laughs> dang it that's the first thing he said what's wrong with you and we know what's wrong with him he was a he man with a she weakness he had an issue with the eyes an issue with his heart this is three thousand four thousand years ago and I could preach a whole sermon on this, and I could share stories on this, and we could all relate to this to a degree. In a highly sexualized society that we live in, it was no different then, it was no different in Jesus' time. It's been no different since the beginning of creation. This weakness and this perversion and this issue that we have where Satan preys on us. And he finds himself here with this inability to cooperate with the blessings and the Spirit of God on his life and do the next right thing, do the hard thing. Instead, he wants to compromise. And I want uh, you guys to write down these three things. These are three observations from Samson's story that we'll see, and they will eventually lead to his downfall. Okay, the first observation is this. Number one, and there's only three, uh, but there's a lot of points after that. I'll talk quickly. He had authority without accountability. He was the judge. He's in charge. Hey, mom and dad, get this gal for me. He's in charge. He can get whatever he wants and lead people to do whatever he thinks is right but he has no accountability structures in place to keep him from doing silly things. 
Let me just say this. If you want to lead your life well, if you want to end well, if you want to be well right now, make sure that within whatever measure of authority you have, you have authority, that there's accountability to match that so you don't get put in a season of compromise or silliness. All of us are leaders in some way. There's systems of accountability that need to be for us in our seasons of authority. Do you know that when you get a driver's license, you're now an authorized driver, you have authority, you can drive, you can drive around, but there's systems of accountability that make sure you don't hurt others while you're driving, amen? It's not that hard. There's all kinds of rules and all kinds of things, and all kinds of forms, and if you get pulled over by Deputy Douglas, you better have your stuff in order, you know, and I got my license and registration, and here's a $100 bill in case that helps, you know, don't ever do that. You know, you know, we have all these things. You have to make sure you're doing it right if you're going to drive. Same with finances. There's financial accountability with your financial authority. You have money, that's cool. As soon as you get your first paycheck, the government takes them. That's just the rules. If you don't like that, you're going to talk to the government face-to-face. They're going to want to know you. It's kind of funny. You're, they're going to want, things are going to not go well for you financially if you don't follow these rules. Judicially, we live in America. There's all kinds of rules here that, that lead in uh, our government and make sure everything's going good here. There's relational accountability that must happen in relational authority. There's also spiritual accountability that must be built in. The list goes on and on and on. What authority are you, do you have right now? Of your finances, of your relationships, of your own life, of your car, your job? I just asked the simple question, is there accountability set up for your success? This has to be done proactively in a good season where you look at the brass tacks of reality and say, I don't want to get off track. I don't want to not do these things. When they put speed limits on roads, they say the best limit for speed on this road is, is this. Anything above this is dangerous. It's going to lead us into chaos and damage and lives will be lost. I don't know the statistic, but the majority of wrecks are speed related. People breaking the law saying, I don't want to be accountable in this way. And accountability is not a bad thing, especially if you've been given authority. I might not be able to get through all three of these principles today, but let's just stay on this one of accountability because Simpsons, or Simpsons, Samson, Samson and Simpsons too, man. No accountability there either. Three areas of accountability, I believe, where Samson blew it. Three areas. Number one, he was not accountable to his parents. We see that right there in verse two. Not accountable to his parents. Hey, mom and dad, give me this gal from Timna. She pleases me. Literally, she's pleasing to my eyes. Literally, I like what I see. Which, by the way, there's a lot of stuff we like that we see, isn't there? A lot of stuff in this world. We like a lot of stuff. We're very sensual in that way and visual. And all of us, male, we like a lot of stuff. It doesn't matter what you like. You want to know what matters? It matters what God likes. Okay, so I'm going to say that again. Somebody else besides Stephen say amen. It doesn't matter what you like. It matters what God likes. Amen. In everything. He says, she's pleasing to me. I like it. Man, careful. Careful. There's tons of stuff that is likable, but it's not for you and should not be taken by you. And we see his parents try and intervene. So grateful for godly parents. I think that God's plan is to give kids godly parents to raise them. Not everyone had that afforded to them. I had some godly parents raise me, Joe and Arla Frechette. They're sitting right there. So grateful for them. So grateful for the standards that they set in my life. But I remember specifically when my parents were leading me in structures of accountability where I didn't care what my parents said. Have you ever not cared what your parents said? Raise your hands. I'm looking at my kids right now. Hands better be down. Hands better be down. I will go outside right now. 
I know, your parents, man. I got this, uh, one time I wanted to buy this car, and I remember I brought my dad to look at this car. It was a 1964 Lincoln Continental. This thing was legit. Now, it was at a junkyard, and it didn't start with keys. It started with a, a screwdriver, and the ignition switch was out, and, but it was legit. It was legit, nothing open, and we don't know what's in the trunk, and it was, you know, it was, it was only $1,000, and I brought my dad up there, and I remember for about 30 minutes, my dad lectured me of why this was the worst idea in the world and what I should do, and the car I should buy, and why this was a bad idea, and I just listened, uh, listen, listen, well, I listened and listened and listened, and as I listened, my dad finally concluded, he says, but you're old enough to make your own decisions, so if you want to buy this car, you can. Thanks, Dad! <laughs> and I bought the car. Okay, you have a picture of this car? Look at this car. This thing's ridiculous. <laughs> what in the actual world? Pray for my mom and dad. They're still here, you know. Take that. That car was a nightmare. And my dad knew. And so here's the deal. One of the first things we see with Samson, he wasn't accountable. You can take the picture down. It's not a, with his parents. Uh, number two, we also know that Samson wasn't accountable to God. Okay. Maybe you got parents right now. You should be accountable to them. They're, they're on your side. That's, that's the idea. We see this. We've all experienced this where they're going to tell you what to do, when your curfew is, what's going on. And as kids, it's naturally ingrained in us as kids, teenagers, and young adults to just be rebellious. I don't know what it is. It's a sinful nature. It's we're just conceived in iniquity. Psalm 51 says it just comes out in so many ways. But secondly, we also see that Samson was not accountable to God. God had told him how to live his life. Hey, keep your hair long. We know that he eventually gets a haircut. Hey, stay away from vineyards and grapes and strong drink and intoxicating things. In every single chapter, he finds himself in a vineyard for some reason. Don't touch, man, what's he, I don't know how I got here again. You know, like, what are you doing, Sammy boy? You know, and he's there again. It leads into other trouble. God told him not to touch dead things, and he finds a lion, a carcass of a lion. He eats honey out of it. We'll see that in the next chapter, or this chapter. Actually, crazy things happen. He didn't have accountability to God, and it would eventually lead him to the compromise that would take him out. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever known exactly what God wants for you and from you, but you just didn't care? It's not that big a deal. I'm walking to Timna. I got to go through a vineyard. It's not that big of a deal. And his compromise wasn't that big a deal in his own mind. It's okay. I know God specifically said not to do this, but I'm going to do exactly what God said not to do because I can handle it. I'm Samson. And here's the problem is if we know exactly what to do and we decide to do it, what not to do, and we do it anyways, it's ultimately going to make it easier to do the things we should never do easier than they should be to be done. I'll say it this way. When we're willing to bend the rules just a little bit, it begins to bend a little more each time until we find ourselves unable to bend it back to where it was. Samson didn't know that, and we don't know that. And the devil isn't going to take us out in one fail swoop, but over a series of small compromises. He didn't have accountability towards his mom and dad. He didn't have accountability towards God. And then thirdly, we also see, as we'll study his story, that he wasn't accountable to his friends, to his brothers. In the next chapter, there's this scene where he commits a crime and Everyone gets in trouble and mad at him. So his buddies come over to him and say, hey, we're going to turn you into the Philistines. He's like, all right, go ahead. We'll go ahead and do it, you know. And he's, he's, he's going to mess with them. And so he puts his hands out like this. And, and then he breaks the bonds and everyone gets in trouble. And his friends are really trying to help him. They're trying to do their best thing too. And he's not listening to his friends. He's not trustworthy with the people that God has put around him. He has no accountability. So important that we're accountable to people. 
so important that there's some people in your life, maybe this is a strong word for you moving forward, that you establish some sort of purpose, some sort of intentionality, whether it's financially or relationally or morally. Man, I want somebody to know what's on my phone. I've got trackers on my phone that are sent to people that I trust so they can watch the things that I'm watching and hold me accountable. And we put these things in, in our place. Not everybody should know everything about you. Amen? Amen? Not everybody should know everything about you. But there should be a handful of people that know so much about you, they can turn you into the FBI if they wanted to. You know what I'm saying? Like, they know everything. But not everybody. Those are hard to find. Hard to find those men and those women, men and women, those people in your life that you can trust in that way. Samson did not do this. Guys, I'm going to give you these next two points quickly, and I'll develop them next week, but I think it's worth taking home with you. How's your accountability? Accountability is a challenge if you don't want to be accountable. But if you find yourself wanting to be successful moving forward, and you know your flesh, and you know the heart of mankind, and you can learn a story like Samson's and say, dude, I better set some things in order. And we live in a society that totes itself in freedom, freedom to do whatever you want to do and organize your life and go about. And there's certain accountability structures in America that are unbiblical. Why just do it the way that the standard is? No. God's asked us to be different. God's asked us to be on purpose and on point. And I would just encourage you, and I'm going to encourage me too, to look at the structures of accountability in my life. What do I want to become? Who do I want to become? God blessed Samson. God poured his spirit out on Samson. And Samson immediately did not reciprocate the blessings, but instead went down and began to walk in his silliness and his folly. I'm actually not going to give to you the two other principles from Samson's life. You're going to have to come next week to get those. What I want to do now is have Pastor Toby come up. He's going to lead us in a response time. And I really believe that the Lord wants to simply speak to you a couple things. Number one, that he wants to bless you. He just wants to bless you. This is who our God is. This is what he does. He loves you. He's for us. He's not against us. He brought you here to church for this moment, for this time, and in this passage, right now, he's given to you a pulse, he's given to you purpose, and he wants to bless you, and he wants to avail his spirit to you, to move upon you, to be in your life, to be about your life. As a matter of fact, before I finish, let me just read to you verse four. Let me read verse three and verse four. It says, then his father and his mother said to him, is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren? that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistine. And Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. Listen to verse four. But his father and his mother did not know that it was of the Lord, that he, capital H, was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Stop right there as a period. I really need you guys to see that verse. Samson's doing silly stuff right off the get-go. Everywhere Samson goes, it's just going to be a sad story. And God's up in heaven, God said, yeah, that's not what I want you to do, Samson. That's not what I want you to do. But verse 4 says that God was using Samson's folly and sin, and he's going to steer Samson in the right way, and he's going to get Samson's heart. In the very last chapter, he'll get Samson's heart. But God's going to redeem it. He's going to bring it down on the Philistines. Do you know this? No matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through right now, God loves you, and he's blessing you, and his spirit is upon you. And even if there's some stuff in the water that needs to be sifted through and filtered and thrown at the cross and buried at the foot of Jesus, 
God would say to you, I know all those things. You think I don't know? You think I don't know those things? You don't even know those things like I know those things. And I promise you, what was meant for evil will be used for good because that's the kind of God I am. If you stay close to me, if you get near to me, if you humble yourself to me, if you repent to me, I'm going to use, I'm going to take your life right where you're at and I will rebuild you. I am not against you. I am for you. I'm going to ask everyone to stand up right now as we pray this thing. Father, in Jesus' name, we believe these truths. Both the hard ones, Lord, that sin will take us further, cost us more, and keep us longer. Lord, that the wages of sin is death. We know this. We're going to study it out, Lord, at great depth and at great length. But we also know that you're for us, not against us. That you want to bless us. That you want to pour out your spirit upon us. And I, for one, say yes and amen to the blessings of God that follow repentance, times of refreshing. And if you're here this morning and you say, man, I, I just am convicted of the something or, or, or maybe I just need to get closer to the Lord. Lord, I want more of you. I want to be blessed and I want your spirit. But I know I must repent. I know I must relinquish. I know I must establish some accountability in my life. Things have gotten out of balance. I'm like Samson. I've gone down. I've seen things that are pleasing to you and, and enjoyed them and said, I want those things. And I don't know how this is going to go, but I just want to level the field. This is all of us. Every single one of us living right now in 2023. It's crazy. And the Lord says to you and the Lord says to me, hey, church, let's get serious. Let's get fired up. Let's do things right. And if you're here this morning and you would just say in your heart of hearts, I want to do things right. That's it. I just want to do things right. I want to do things right. Would you just come down the stage right now? Just come down the aisle. Get out of your chair. Just I want to do things right. I want to do things right. Lord, I repent of things I've done wrong. And I want to do things right from now on. Just crowd the stage right now. Get out of your chair and just make that simple confession, that simple declaration. I'm going to come down there and join you in just a minute. I just want to do things right. Lord, take me right where I am. I confess my sin. Maybe even right now, just start to utter those things under your lips as people are making their way forward right now. Just say, I'm sorry for this compromise in my life. Maybe it's finances for you. You're like, I don't know, man. It's how I got ahead. It's just what we do. And the Lord says, no, don't. I want to bless you. I want to anoint you. I want to unlock that potential in you. I'm actually going to do more than you could ever do for yourself. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's sexual. Maybe it's a perversion. You're, you're doing things you shouldn't do. Going places you shouldn't go, looking at things you shouldn't look at. The Lord says, hey, stop that. Repent. Do the next right thing. Come forward right now and stand at the stage and repent and relinquish those sins. Maybe it's a fear of man. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's worrying what other people think of you. You're not worried about what God thinks of you, but you're worried what everybody else thinks of you. Repent of that. Father, in Jesus' name, as we sing this song, would you, Lord, set us free? Would you break every chain? Would you remove every shackle? Would you erase all fears and all doubts and all shames in Jesus' name? And would you establish us, Lord, as a church who knows we're loved, who knows we're spirit-filled, but is doing the next right thing? We thank you, Jesus, for all you've done. Do more, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be on the right under the screen. If you need prayer, come find me. I pray for you right now. Let's sing together. Right.